Good evening, this is Patrick Donahue, and as always, we appreciate you listening to Bible Crossfire, where you get to have a say, but of course, as we always point out, on any issue or any question, the Bible is the authority. It settles the questions. It gives the answers. Whatever it says is going to be the answer to the questions, because it doesn't really make any difference in the final analysis what men, men, including myself, what we say, it only makes a difference what God says, since his, he is the authority in religion and in everything else, by the way. <coughs> and so God is going to be the final authority on this program, and I hope he's the final authority in your life. You know, this past week, uh, we had President Carter asking Pete, the mayor of South Bend, Pete Buttigieg, to read the scriptures during church, actually Sunday school class, and there was quite an uproar about that. I wonder why there was such an uproar. The reason is is that most believers are assuming that when Jimmy Carter asked Mayor Buttigieg, who's, who is gay, to read the scriptures in the Sunday school class, that President Carter was showing approval for his homosexual lifestyle. Now, I really don't think just asking someone to read the scriptures necessarily shows approval, but I do think in this case it's likely that President Carter, former President Carter, does approve of Mr. Buttigieg's lifestyle and meant to show that by his action. But why are people so surprised? Many of the larger denominations in the U.S. have long since changed and now support gay preachers and gay marriage. For example, I'm reading from the Birmingham News, August 6, 2003. It says, The Episcopal Church approved its first openly gay bishop way back in 2003. Now, this new gay bishop, his last name was Robinson, he cited the examples of ordaining women priests and accepting divorce in the church as departures, and he said, I quote, Just simply saying it departs from Scripture does not necessarily make it wrong. His reasoning was, two wrongs make a right. Just departing from Scripture doesn't make it wrong because we've been departing from Scripture on ordaining women priests or preachers, and we've been accepting divorce. We've been accepting those departures. Why can't we accept a departure from the Scriptures that condemns homosexuality? And so he was the first openly gay bishop in the Episcopal Church way back in 2003. So why should we be surprised when President Carter shows approval for this particular man who's gay, he's in a gay marriage. Uh, we shouldn't be so surprised, I don't think. Chris from California, go ahead with your Bible question or comment, please. Yes, um, I want to know uh, what the, I, I do know what the scriptures say about divorce and remarriage. Uh, I am one of them that has been divorced and I'm remarried. Uh, I've done a lot of Bible study on this, and I'm not quite sure um, if I'm going to be forgiven after I die, um, if the exceptions about divorcing somebody, and if they have uh, committed adultery on you, only they then are you able to be remarried. So uh, just a little clarification. Am I beyond 
salvation because I've been remarried and her husband cheated on her and my wife cheated on me. Well, Chris, if you've studied this, I'm sure you're familiar with a number of the passages. And I'm going to read Matthew 19.9 where Jesus said, Whosoever shall put away his wife, except it be for fornication, and shall right. marry another, committeth adultery. And whoso marrieth her which is put away, doth commit adultery. Right. So Jesus allows divorce for one and only one reason. It says for fornication and for sexual immorality. And so, right. did you, Chris, for mm-hmm. you to be eligible to marry a second woman, you must have divorced your original wife because she cheated on you. Did she, she cheat on me, you? But she did, and she divorced me. So, yes. Well, well. So the second part, if she divorced you, the second part of that verse applies to you. It says, "Whoso marrieth her which is put away doth commit adultery." Or we could put that. If we put that in the male form, it would be, Whoso marrieth him, which is put away, doth commit adultery. So if she divorced you, then this second part of Matthew 19.9 would say that you cannot remarry. Do you see that, Chris? But if I divorced her, would it, and she was the one that cheated on me. Yeah, if yeah, she cheated on of, Yeah, she, she cheated, cheated on, on you. Me. If she cheated on you and you divorced her for that reason then you would have a right to remarry. But if she divorced you, if she puts you away, then this says that you don't have a right to remarry. That's the second part of Matthew 19.9. Are you looking at that in the Bible right now, Chris? No, sir. No, sir. I'm 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 familiar with that, but I I mean, I preach. I repent to the Lord. I said, Lord, please forgive me. I mean, if 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 I've sinned, please forgive me. I mean, I don't want to be alive. I don't want to be alive alone all the rest of my life, you know. Yeah, so I don't particularly, over national radio, like to discuss the exact details of people's particular situations. Those are kind of personal. What I would like to do, I, I, I don't mind talking about this. I love to talk about it over the air, but just not anybody's particular details. But what I'd like to do, Chris, is have you maybe give me a call uh, off air or send me an email, and we could talk about it more in detail, the particulars of your exact situation. Would you like to do that, Chris? I sure would. I would like to talk to you if I could, but I would like to, before uh, you end the call, there's Mm -hmm. one other verse. It's Corinthians 7, 28. Yeah, but let me mention a point to you, Chris. I'm turning to 1 Corinthians 7, verse 28. I want you to keep in mind that God was willing to forgive any sin except the blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. But he's willing to forgive adultery, but only, and this applies to every sin that he's that he's going to forgive us. Only if we we have to repent. So if if I were to divorce my wife Carol, say for burning the biscuits, for not for fornication, and remarry, Matthew nineteen nine says that second marriage is adulterous. And I'm getting kind of blunt here, Chris, but that means every time I sleep with that second woman, I'm committing adultery. If I want to be forgiven for that, I'm going to have to terminate that second marriage. I can't continue to commit adultery with that second wife and ask God to forgive me when I haven't repented. It'd be like, and I'm going to give you an extreme just to make a point. I know it's an extreme, but it makes the point. It'd be like two men who are married commit a gay marriage and them one of them saying, God, please forgive me, and expecting God to forgive him of that, 
while he continues in that homosexual relationship. No, he can be forgiven even of that, but he's going to have to stop the homosexual relationship. He can't continue in that sexual sin and expect to be forgiven, just like a man can't be expected to be forgiven of stealing if he's going to remain a thief. He's got to quit being a thief and then ask God to forgive him and repent of that, then he can be forgiven. So you can't True. be forgiven for a sin as long as you continue in that sin, Chris. And if I divorce my wife, Carol, for unscripturally and remarry and I'm in an adultery, I'm going to have to get out of that second marriage, terminate that marriage in order to be forgiven. But I'm turning to 1 Corinthians seven 28. I'll begin by reading in verse 27, Chris. It says, Art thou bound unto a wife? Seek not to be loosed. Art thou loose from a wife? Seek not a wife. But if thou marry... Thou hast not sinned, and if a virgin marry, she hath not sinned. Nevertheless, such shall have trouble in the flesh, but I spare you. So what Paul's talking about in this chapter, Chris, is he is recommending that they stay single because of the present distress. That's mentioned in verse 28. He recommends that. It's an inspired recommendation. But he says, if you marry, you have not sinned. So he's saying, basically, if you're bound to a wife, don't seek to be loose. But if you're loose from a wife, then... Don't seek a wife. He's recommending they stay single, but he says, but if you marry, you have not sinned. So he's talking about a single person. He's saying, I recommend that you stay single because of the present distress, but if you marry, you have not sinned. Because getting married is not a sin, and Paul, that's what Paul's teaching there. You see that, Chris? Uh, yes, I have. I mean, and I was, I was applying it to myself. Right. This doesn't apply to a person who has who has been divorced unscripturally because they're not loosed. This is talking about somebody who's loose from a wife. In Romans 7, I'm going to hold your hand there and go back to Romans 7, 2, and 3. Basically says that it says, I'm mean, looking at Romans 7, 2, and 3. It says, for the woman which hath an husband is bound. That simply means obligated by the law to her husband so long as he liveth. But if her husband be dead, she is loose from the law of her husband. So then if while her husband liveth, she be married to another man, she shall be called an adulteress. But if her husband be dead, she is free from that law, so that she is no adulteress, though she be married to another man. So a person is loosed, or loose from a wife if he's never been married, or if his wife dies, or if he divorces his wife for fornication. But if if I understand your situation, your wife divorced you, it was mm-hmm. an, uns- an unscriptural divorce, that means y'all are still bound or obligated to each other, so 1 Corinthians 7, verse 28, would not apply to you because this is talking about people who are been, have been loosed from a wife. Chris, you got I, any follow-up before I, we get off the air? Well, I think I think the Lord is an ultimate judge, and then sometimes, you know, there's there's legalism, like the Pharisees, and, and, you know, we're supposed to follow, you know, sometimes the Lord is not one to follow the letter of the law, but the spirit of the law. So uh, in my defense, I, I hope, that is so. Thank you for your call, Chris. Thank you, sir. You know, in this case, the letter of the law and the spirit of the law say the same thing. One woman, one man for one woman for life. And if you get an unscriptural mar- divorce, you have no right to remarry. Romans 7, 2, and 3 says if your spouse is still alive and you marry again, you commit adultery. Matthew nineteen nine. Jesus said, if there's an unscriptural divorce, that would be any for any reason other than fornication. You remarry, the second marriage is adulterous. Uh, I've been accused of legalism before. I had a friend the other day say a little funny about that. He says, uh, so should we be illegalists? 
In other words, if we shouldn't be legalist, does that mean we should be illegalist? Uh, try to do everything illegally according to God's word? No. Actually, uh, in a sense, in the truest sense of the word, legalism is a good thing. If we mean by that, we're going to follow God's law strictly. And here we're talking about divorce and remarriage. We should follow God's law strictly on that, just like we do every other one of God's laws. I mean, Jesus said in John fourteen fifteen, If you love me, keep my commandments. So if we love God and we respect God, we're going to want to keep his commandments to the letter. And when we don't keep God's commandments, that shows disrespect. Just like when we didn't obey our parents when we were young. Every time we disobeyed our parents, that showed disrespect. It's the same with, way with God. We want to obey God everything he said to the letter because we love and respect him. If you have a Bible question or comment, give us a call, 877-655-6755. So we were talking about Jimmy Carter showing approval for the mayor of South Bend, Pete Buttigieg. I think he probably does approve of his relationship and Mr. Buttigieg is supposedly married to another man. I said, why should you be so surprised? I read the quote where the Episcopal Church approved its first openly gay bishop. That was from the Birmingham News in 2003. Here's another quote from Time Magazine. says the Presbyterian Church, and we're talking about the Presbyterian Church USA here, made an historic decision to formally recognize gay marriage and allow same-sex couples to marry in its congregations. The denomination voted to redefine the church's constitutional marriage to include a commitment between two people. And so, by the time we get to the year 2015, the Presbyterian Church USA had made a decision to recognize gay marriage. And then, I'm reading another quote, the United Methodist Church leadership voted to submit a legislative proposal that removes prohibitive language from the United Methodist Book of Discipline concerning homosexuality. The proposal would allow United Methodist pastors to perform same-sex marriages in United Methodist churches. This proposal does not consider homosexuality incompatible with Christian teachings even though Methodists have historically recognized the practice as sinful. So the quote is saying the Methodists have historically recognized gay marriage and homosexuality as sinful, but now they're doing an about-face, and they're going to put in the Methodist creed book that the Methodist United Methodist preachers can perform same-sex marriages in United Methodist churches. So why are we surprised when Jimmy Carter shows approval for a gay man a man who's going to run for president, evidently, the mayor of South Bend, why should we be surprised when all these churches over the last couple of decades have done it about face? They've changed, and now they accept gays, homosexuality, and gay marriage. But the most important thing is, what does the Bible say about this issue? What does the Bible say? Romans 1, 26 and 27 reads this way. For this cause, God gave them up into vile affections. For even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. And likewise, also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust one toward another, men with men working that which is unseemly, and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error which was made. I think that's clear. That passage is talking about first, in verse 26, lesbians. And then in verse 27, it's talking about gay men. And it condemns both practices severely. 
So the Bible condemns homosexuality. Now, a lot of churches today, everybody in the world and a lot of churches today say it's okay. And evidently, Jimmy Carter thinks it's okay. The former president who's teaching Sunday school class at the Baptist church there in Plains, Georgia. But the Bible does not say it's okay. The Bible severely condemns homosexuality, homosexual practices, gay marriage, and etc. Kay from Texas, go ahead with your Bible question or comment, please. Yes. In in John chapter 5, I'm not sure the verse, but it talks about those in the grave um, where all those in the grave will hear his voice and come out. Mm-hmm. Um, to John 5, eternal. 20, 28, and 29. Mm-hmm. And then you go over to John, I think it's 11, where Lazarus died, and he's telling Martha and Mary that he's the resurrection and the life. And Jesus is the resurrection and the life. Okay. Uh-huh. And then in Matthew 22, where uh, they were talking about the the man that married, all the, the, the brother died, and all the brothers had the wife. Mm-hmm. Whose wife would she be in the resurrection? And mm-hmm. he said he's the God of the living and not of the dead. So mm-hmm. my question is, is to see what your view is on either sleeping in the grave or what happens at death. Well, in John five twenty eight and 29, let's read some of those texts, okay? Thanks for the good question. It says, Marvel not at this, for the hour is coming in the which all that are in the grave shall hear his voice and shall come forth, they that have done good, unto the resurrection of life, and they that have done evil unto the resurrection of condemnation. And then you mentioned John eleven twenty five. Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection of the life. He that believeth in, him, in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And then you're right. In Matthew 22, Jesus says there's going to be no marriage in the afterlife. And so this passage in John 5, 28, 29, uh, uh, K, is talking about on the judgment day, the last day when Jesus comes back, everybody's going to be raised and either go to heaven or spend eternity in H-E-L-L, the bad place, uh, eternal punishment. But I suppose you may, is that what you're asking about? What's going to happen after the judgment day, Kay? Or are you talking about before the judgment day? Well, say that your grandmother died tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Where would where where would she be right? And um, where would she be tomorrow? Okay, that's a good question. So, as I said, John five twenty eight twenty nine, the resurrection. That's talking about the end of time on the judgment day. In the meantime, I think a passage like Luke 16, okay, I don't have time to read all this on the air, but Luke 16, 19 through the end of the chapter talks about the rich man and Lazarus, and they both died. Both of them ended up in Hades. The rich man, evidently he was not a faithful child of God, and so he ended up in the torment side of Hades, but Lazarus, who must have been a faithful child of God, he ended up in the comfort side of Hades called Abraham's bosom there. And so so what I think we can learn from this, okay, and that's Luke 16, 19 through the end of the chapter, is that before the judgment day when people die, they're going to go to this temporary place. We call it Hades, or that's what the passage calls it. Either if you've been a faithful child of God, you'll be in the comfort side of that. And then if you've been not a faithful child of God, you'll be in the torment side. You'll be there waiting on the judgment day, and the judgment day is more like a sentencing. And the people who are faithful will go to heaven, and those who are wicked will go to everlasting punishment. Does that answer your question, Kay? 
Yes, it does. That helps me understand how uh, your view on it and stuff. I've I've just gotten different um, answers from a lot of people on that. So yeah. So Kay, if you're talking about between now and the judgment day, I think what you want to do is go back and look at Luke 16, 19 through the end of the chapter. We'll, I'll go ahead and hang up from you now, but go back and read that for yourself, okay, Kay? Oh, okay, thank you. Thank you for your call, All right. Kay. All right, thank you. You know, one thing I'd like to do, I was mentioning to the uh, previous caller about talking about his situation more in detail offline, and I would love to talk with uh, with anybody uh, about the Bible offline throughout the week. If you would like to talk about any particular scripture or any particular biblical topic, just send me an email. Uh, of course, my name's Pat Donahue, but send the email to BibleCrossfire at email.com. BibleCrossfire at email.com. And another thing I like to offer is a free Bible correspondence course. If you uh, would like to learn the Bible through the mail free of charge, you can take this course through the mail, we'll send you the first lesson that'll aid you in studying uh, the Bible, and then you send back the answers to some questions at the end of the lesson. We grade that, send that back with the second lesson. This is all done free of charge at your own pace through the mail. If you would like to sign up for that free Bible correspondence course, send me a re- that request at BibleCrossfire at email dot com. You know, we were talking about homosexuality and Pete Buttigieg. Leviticus 20, verse 13, shows that that was condemned in the Old Testament. It says, If a man also lie with mankind as he lieth with a woman, both of them have committed abomination, they shall surely be put to death. And then, back in the New Testament, 1 Corinthians 6, verses 9 and 10, Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. So the Bible severely condemns homosexuality in both Old and New Testament. Joe from Pennsylvania, go ahead with your Bible question or comment, please. Yeah, okay. question I have is uh, the elect of the church. Um, what I wanna, don't want to do is to preach the gospel wrong. Okay, I, and I, if there's scriptures that you could give me on this, because I know God says, the Lord says that He's going to build His church. Okay, mm-hmm. right. That's and right. it's and He knows everybody before the foundations of the earth. And, and Jesus said, "I will not lose no one whom the Father had given me." And and I know that you know I. When when you're when you're saved, I know that God has to open up our eyes, okay, so that we would even understand the scriptures. Because I mean, I know the way I was before I became a Christian, and I know afterwards, you know. So it's like a situation where I don't want to say like you just go out and you have to just say the sinner's prayer and then you're saved. When the Lord, you know, he says, I'm going to build the church, you know, and and it's a situation I'm very frightened where I don't want to go out and say something that's against the Lord. What the Lord Joe, let me mention a passage. You, be, you began by talking about the election. Let me yeah. let me mention a couple of passages here. Just hang on and listen to me just for a second. Sure. Um, uh, this is in. 
2 Peter chapter 1, verse 10, it says, Wherefore the rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, you shall never fall. For so an entrance shall be ministered to you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And so the Bible does talk about the elect, but it, the election... It's not something that we're forced into or that we can't control. This verse says we have to make our calling and election sure. So elect simply means the ones that God has chosen to salvation. And he chooses us based upon conditions that he asks us to meet. So when Jesus, for example, said in Mark sixteen sixteen, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. That means that those who believe and are baptized are going to be saved. Okay, so we have to meet those conditions. And the, so the way that God chooses a person to salvation is he chooses to save those who believe and are baptized. He said, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. So the way he chooses is he chooses those who believe and are baptized to be saved. Send me an email, biblecrossfire at email.com.